0: Hi everyone,
1: I'm Porsche. And I'm Namsa. Welcome
0: to Assume It Will Be Brilliant, Chandelain's Stan Podcast. Hi
1: Porsche. Hey, how's it going?
0: Good. How are you? I'm all right.
1: I'm all right. It's a nice, cool morning. You know, we're going into autumn. Did you see how I got it right this time? (laughs) It sounded like you thought about that. I really did. It took me time (laughs) out. You know, I always try to be less North American, even though, like, who can deny listen to me speak? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but the autumn is upon us. (laughs)
0: Oh, that's great! Well, um, it's springtime here, and mm-hmm. this is my favorite time of year. I, I mustn't—I can't even lie—that I love spring, and I especially love summer. I love the heat, and it's like an interlude. Spring for me is an interlude between the worst, mu- the worst season, into the best season. And uh, nice. today Ooh. we're taking a Grey's Anatomy interlude, pop culture interlude, rather. And taking a break from our regularly scheduled programming to talk a bit about some things that are happening in pop culture, quite a bit Grey's related. And then some of it that's just happening in music. And that's not actually necessarily uh, Shondaland. But yeah, we just thought, let's take this time. The new season's out this week. And we're not the only ones because... With the new season of Grace Anatomy coming out this week, we've got a new release of a book mm-hmm. as well as a new podcast release. Let's talk about that first. Yeah, um, not so, that the
1: not that the market isn't saturated enough.
0: Not <laughs> that we needed not that we competition
1: needed from an actual Grace Anatomy star, but here we are.
0: Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> but um, firstly, there is a book by Lynette Rice, who's editor for Entertainment Weekly, mm-hmm. that was released a week ago. Yeah. Just to put a disclaimer, we're recording this on the 29th of September, a couple of days before it's actually going to get released, just so we right. know. But yeah, so she released this book called How to Save a Life, the Inside Story of Grey's Anatomy. And it's got a lot of excerpts from interviews and discussions that she's had behind the scenes with Cast and crew and writers, and also with Shonda Rhimes herself. So it's yeah. a behind the scenes look at what's happened over the years in Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm. b- from exits to storylines. Um, right,
1: because it Appears Lynette covered this show over the years a few times. So it's not all these interviews were specifically for this book. She's
0: also pulling from yes. previous times. yeah. Exactly. And she's compiled it into this quite salacious uh, book. Mm. I don't think the intention is to be salacious, but I guess the way a lot of these um, websites have covered it is in quite a clickbaity, salacious way.
1: Right. Which is par for the course for these kinds of websites. I mean, for the most part, we I haven't seen anything that says, you know, Shonda's not writing some sort of this book is filled with lies. None of the stars yes. <laughs> seem to be acting against it. So it seems like on balance, she seems to have used a lot of stuff that was kind of already relatively in the public domain. But it is, you know, framing it in a way that's a bit juicier and provides you a little more context about what happened and when it happened.
0: Exactly. A lot of a lot more context, especially for those of us who didn't know at the time what happened or what led to a specific thing, and then just some of the little tidbits with different storylines. So, some of the big highlights that we're going to discuss today are about Patrick Dempsey's exit, Isaiah Washington's exits, and then a bit of Justin Chambers and Tara Knight's exits, Catherine Heigl's exits, and some of the stuff that she's spoken about at the time and since. Also, April. I'm saying April, but um, Sarah Drew's exit and what she actually mm-hmm. wanted. And then got a Ellen Pompeo, where she ta- there's an interview that she did with the leading ladies of TGIT and Shonda Rhimes. And then there's one other part where there's some insinuation that she may have led to somebody leaving. Right. Mm-hmm. So just at the very top, Patrick Dempsey's exit from what the articles are saying disclaimer we haven't read the book yet but we're going to read the book yeah it's just from what the articles are saying he seems like he was a bit of a baby yeah 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 it
1: seems as though <laughs> he really wanted out and didn't know how to ask for what he needs <laughs> Yeah, he didn't, know how to, he didn't know how to vocalize Oh, I mean, look, there's contract negotiations There's a lot of things You can't wake up one morning and be like, bye yeah. And so if you get super frustrated I believe one of the quotes I actually read in an Us Weekly article I think they said Ellen said this but Because apparently Ellen was quite frustrated That he would be complaining I'm here too late, this is taking too long And she would have said, Can you just look around and see that there's people who've been here since 6.30am And she said, Yes. he's, he's like a child
0: Yes <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh right, that's yeah. true. But like, uh, like what it's basically the the expert excerpts are saying that by the time season eleven came around, um, he was basically over it. It sounds like, yeah. and he did. He was over the long hours. Um, I think he had gotten a bit bored, and he was mm-hmm. a bit of a. Tyrant in the from the perspective of other cast members, and in that crew. he knew and the crew that he knew that he could sort of demand what he wanted, and he could stop production if he wanted. Mm-hmm. And in a in a very interesting way, he it sounds like he was number one on the call sheet, even though well, essentially he it's Ellen Pompeo's mm. show. And I remember at the time he was getting paid more than Ellen Pompeo. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there's context in that. He was a more well-known actor when he first first started out. But by the time it was season 10, 11, it's Meredith's show.
1: Yeah, and then apparently it culminated in, you know, Shonda basically saying to ABC, he goes or I go, because it got that bad. So we did not know all that in detail.
0: I mean, what he had said was at some stages he should have left when Christina left. Like he he thought about it in retrospect and like he just should have left then. And Mm. what what happened is that um, the network just showed him a lot of money give him a big check and he's like okay fine I'll stay but he wasn't in it anymore and he also could have the
1: story had aligned so well because he went to DC Christina left yeah but I think also losing two big two main events like that would have been a lot for even us to
0: handle (laughs) yeah I know it
1: would but anyhow
0: I think it did happen at the right time and I'm I'm glad it took another season like you say I don't know if we would have been able to handle it and a part of me a part of me gets it they Clearly, we're working very, very long hours, and it's actually something that Catherine Heigl spoke about at the time. Mm. That the hours are just insane—14-hour days—and it's going on for months. Mm-hmm. Um, one of he- Patrick's complaints was that you, you just don't own your schedule, you don't own your your mm-hmm. life for the time that you're in production, and it's something Catherine Heigl had said years before that she yeah. was quite villainized for absolutely um, which i mean it goes to show like women and men still yeah. at that time you know just haven't been right. treated equally in by the media because it didn't really come out at the time yeah. that patrick was this it didn't come out the way it came for Catherine Heigel. she got this real sort of villainization uh, part of it was also the way she handled certain things like the Emmy saga, but there were valid points that she had made that she still, like, it still follows her that she's very, dif- this difficult person to work with. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, but yeah. that was one
1: of the things that was revealed. We may as well go into Katherine Heigl's exit now as well, where, yes, there was the what we saw on the outside, which was, oh, she's getting all the movies now. She's won that Emmy for her role. And she's talking down to the writers, you know, saying, like, please don't nominate me this season, which that did seem a bit off. But we mm-hmm. find out that what had happened as well behind the scenes is that she had gotten married, adopted a child, and it had yeah. changed how she saw things and then she started saying look at these hours look at these requirements it's impossible simply because she'd gotten into her family life and one of the things Mm. that's being quoted is her saying yeah I was labeled as difficult and ungrateful and she sort of takes it and she's like you know I hold myself to account for that I allowed it to happen I didn't have mm-hmm. apparently just didn't wanna deal with it. And she sort of regrets that, but she's like, But I wasn't being unreasonable. Like And
0: it's something that I mean she's she then worked it out with Chandra Rhymes to mm-hmm. write it off because she didn't she says that she didn't want to have to make the production work with her schedule. Like yeah. it, w- it just wasn't going to be fair. So it was just better for her to leave. And it's quite interesting because Patrick was basically complaining about not seeing his kids and whatever. It was just quite a similar thing in, the, a, in, yeah. in that and way.
1: It's also interesting that, again, we haven't read the full book, so we don't know if there's any information about this, but it's funny that he was throwing tantrums, scaring people on set, and not even yes. attempting to negotiate to be written out, right? <laughs> Nobody yes. called him difficult. He got to go and be like, it. I Folded in an organic way meanwhile yeah Catherine is like look my priorities have changed how can I help you help us
0: you know <laughs> and
1: yeah the one who's difficult and wild
0: you know yeah. yeah look she and like we say she has since said she wouldn't change things mm-hmm. except that she would be more graceful choose her words better and I and mm. I do agree she should have done that and you know when we talk about all these hours there's currently that possible strike that's yeah. you know come up in Hollywood a lot of people behind the scenes who work these these very long hours and she's been one of the people um, Kerry Washington as well who's in support of a lot of the production Uh, Yeah the production
1: union that's protesting
0: yeah. Yeah to say like a lot of not just the hours but the treatment isn't quite fair so Mm -hmm. I'm glad she's now you know she's using her platform to actually advocate Justin Chambers had similar but not quite the same in that he just got tired he was just Mm -hmm. like listen It's been, I mean, what, 15 years for him? 15 years, yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing all the time. You come in wearing scrubs for however many hours and it just sounds like he's, it just came to an end.
1: Justin and Tr seem to be the two OGs who simply were like, "I think I'm done and would like to leave now," and got their requests met. It seems that way. It does. They they seem to be the easiest ones because Isaiah Washington's exit to me, the surprise reveal from that was I always assumed he said the thing at the Emmys and he was immediately fired mm-hmm. for his misbehavior. Of course, that was the precipitating reason, but we find out he was actually complying and doing his very best. The whole had to do sensitivity training. I mean, look, and no excuses. Like, he shouldn't have said what he said, right? Mm. He should never have used a slur. Particularly when it wasn't even... Okay, well, let me take that back. He shouldn't have said what he said, but we find out that he didn't say it to TR. He was in a fight with Patrick Dempsey. Which, mm-hmm. again, to me is so demonstrative of how whatever the dominant culture is like the marginalized people are the ones who always lose out you know yes, yes. yes. He had to leave a good job he was outed you know by this whole situation um, yeah and he was just he was doing nothing right and here come yeah. the two big shot hit men just r- yes <laughs> like these, leaving, macho men these macho men fighting like <laughs> leaving oh, like in their wake all this destruction right like for Catherine for Tia and
0: yeah and also like yeah, yeah. seeing who, who's who's bigger, who's the bigger who's, gun. Who, yeah, it just feels dog. like an exactly. ego like, yeah. You can't talk
1: to me the way you talk to TR, right? And it's like, yeah. he, why are you bringing TR into this? Why? You know? <laughs> but yeah, so... Essentially they didn't really want to fire Preston like that. They were willing to work with him. And you know, to be fair, I can I can have empathy and understand how Isaiah because he wasn't going at TR and he didn't use the mm. slur against TR, that defensiveness that he was having, right? Remember how hot the heat was yes. on that show and that cast over that, you know, leaking. Yeah. Oh, things are bad and there's discrimination mm. behind the scenes. And like so I can imagine for him, like when they're backstage they've won the Emmy as a cast and journalist decides they're going to bring this up again. I can see Mm -hmm. how the heat rises within him and he feels the need to defend himself. And, you know, that put the nail in his coffin with the show, basically. Because even though he was complying and doing what he was asked to do and trying and, you know, and, and wanting to stay. The You know, they just decided, you know what? It's too much to keep him on because we were trying to let the story die and look how he's opened it up again.
0: Yeah, and his defense of himself, I mean, it just didn't make it any better because, like, sure, you yeah. didn't say it to him, but we just don't say that. That's yeah, It's not okay like, to say that. So. It doesn't
1: matter. It's so, it's really a fine line. It's like, I didn't say it to him. I said it about him. You know, it's like, what yeah. are you talking about then? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> (laughs) um, yeah but I I mean I was surprised that he was you know that he could come back you know season 10
1: but it's cause we're in it so to us we see the whole story I think in a shrunken form but if you think about the season he left and when he came back and the purpose with which he came back and for how long it's not that dramatic you know what I mean
0: no yeah Um, it made sense for the story I mean another one with about about endings (laughs) Sarah Drew you know what that's my girl that's my yeah. home girl <laughs> because when you know she was uh, obviously written out um along with jessica Capshaw, who played arizona but the way they wrote her out she didn't initially agree with and mm-hmm. girl same mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all i can say she it was the whole story of her ending up with matthew and mm-hmm. leaving with him and she had always been a Paul fan Mm. Um, And always believed, you know, April should end up with Jackson. But fine, if April's leaving, can she just leave by herself? Because it didn't seem believable for her that Mm. her and Matthew would, you know, end up together. We hadn't really seen their relationship. And I have to agree. And
1: she was also elated that they, in season 17, which to be frank, is like one of maybe four good things they managed to do in season 17 that
0: they gave her in a- April a chance, you know? And they it was such I mean, a one her in of April. the best. Her in April. <laughs> <laughs> well it is her in April. Like yeah. they gave the they gave they you gave know Sarah April Drew to, to give April you know the chance to give April a, a redemptive like this mm-hmm. is what should have happened story. Yeah they so. made it make sense. Yeah. They made it make sense. So um there was mm-hmm. that. But one of the other interesting parts again this one I d I didn't quite understand was how um The actress Jericho, who plays Stephanie, left, Mm. which was quite abrupt at the time. She claims she left of her own accord, and I'm sure that is true. But what the book implies is that there was this strange incident where she was taking um, Polaroids of the set, but hadn't asked Ellen Pompeo for permission. And Mm -hmm. they, you know, insinuate you can't just do that. Um, And that she didn't really, she obviously didn't know the power that Ellen Pompeo has on set with the story, Mm -hmm. Um, and so somehow it led to Stephanie being written off. That's kind of what's implied. I'm not sure.
1: That's the only thing that sounds like potential nonsense to me.
0: Yeah. Um, Or
1: (laughs) if it's Ellen Pompeo is 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 secretly like the number one tyrant on set or something. You know what I mean? Because I'm like polarized. Yeah. That's it's weird. It's, it's odd, but maybe we don't know. I don't know how a set works. Maybe when number one on the call sheet has tension, it's not worth it to try and make it work. Especially when the yeah. new character is causing the tension is very low on the call sheet and is a little bit... You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I, th- mm-hmm. I think there's still some holes in the story. And maybe when we read the book, we'll figure it out. But mm-hmm. the way it's currently reported, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, hey? But another Ellen Pompeo story is that there was an interview that mm. the, the leading ladies of TGIT being Ellen Pompeo, Viola Davis and Kerry Washington did with Shonda Rhimes. A couple of years, I guess this is obviously all before Scandal and How to Get, get Away have ended, but it's after Patrick Dempsey had left. Mm. And in the interview... There was um, a discussion or a question asked to Shonda Rhimes about an article that had been written really alluding to Viola Davis being the lead of How to Get Away with Murder, but not being your conventional beauty because she's darker skinned. There was backlash to that article, and they ask her, like, Shonda Rhimes, like, what is your view, perspective on on that? Is there any real, you know, benefits or good thing that came out of at least the the backlash um, from that article? And Shonda's busy answering the question Hmm. when Ellen Pompeo interrupts her and says, if there's any good thing that can come out of ignorance, I'll take it. And... And it says that um, Viola Davis sort of sighed. <laughs> it said, causing
1: Viola Davis to sigh. And I said, <laughs> I read that sentence and I just thought, dear Lord, if there's something I never do in my life. <laughs> Please,
0: you know, may I never find myself in the position in which I caused Viola Davis to sigh. To sigh. <laughs> you can imagine. Oh, and and then she asked Ellen, like, do you really think that? Um, mm. And I think it was like one of those ground swallow me now moments for her because she starts tearing up. And I think she immediately realized that, wait, this firstly wasn't my question to answer. And I... It's easy, it's one of those things that cool, it's easy for me to say as a white woman, I think was mm. probably the realization. Um, yeah. and she left you know to the not stage. cry in front of you know everybody, she left the the interview and then came back shortly after after she'd composed herself, which mm-hmm. I think was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. um At that moment, like don't don't make this now about you. This moment, and Viola Davis was able to know, you know, answer the question, like finish the the question and uh, the answer to the question. And I, I'm just glad that Ellen had the self-awareness to mm-hmm. take this moment. You made a boo boo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, we we were saying like, well, she said the wrong thing, but she did the right
0: thing. <laughs> yeah, when you know better, do better, and she knew yeah. immediately. <laughs>
1: Yeah, she's like, you know what? I need to exit stage left. I need
0: a gal. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. Um, yeah. But yeah, those are some of the hot things that um, came out of the book that we wanted to look at. Also, coming just before the start of Grey's Anatomy is this new podcast by Ellen Pompeo called Tell Me. It actually came out today, the 29th. Three of the first three episodes. Mm. I listened to the one she did with Patrick Dempsey. So she recorded an interview with him. And the whole point of the podcast she sees is to basically use her pat- platform to highlight really good causes and to just bring a spotlight to, to really good things that are happening. Mm -hmm. And to unite, unite us. So there's quite a few interesting things that she talks that, well, that they talk about in the interview. One of them is uh, the musical episodes. So currently Patrick Dempsey is recording Mm. the sequel to Enchanted. You know that movie with Amy Adams? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a musical. So he's singing and dancing on, you know, in the, in the film. Mm-hmm. um directed by adam shankman who i actually absolutely love
1: yeah great um, musical director
0: and they talk about the musical episode where everyone had to sing and they look back mm. on it and they didn't love it porsche you know yeah. we looked back and loved it
1: <laughs> again wait, the reason we loved it was wow well, this is acting you know not because this is acting <laughs> i did not think it was I could certainly tell that Patrick and Ellen did not want to be singing.
0: Definitely. I mean, she talks about how, look, she didn't want to chicken out, but she yeah. knows she's not a good singer. So yeah. she sang a little bit, but he definitely chickened out and was like, nope, not me, no siree. And look, it doesn't sound like they hated it, but it is for them a bit of like a ridiculous part of
1: yeah. the show, which yeah. I mean,
0: fine. Yeah, I mean, um, to be
1: fair, that's how we all felt at the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. The only thing is, Patrick watched it again, and he's Never. like, "Nope, nope, nope." <laughs> <laughs> Still a no. These, these. Oh yeah, they talk about Ellen directing, and I think we've. Oh no, we haven't mentioned this part but the next one but she talks about how she really enjoyed the first time she directed and the first episode she directed for Grey's Anatomy was the one where um, Maggie's mom passes away Mm. And she talks about how she loved it because Shonda Rhimes gave her so much creative freedom and mm. she even included Ellen's director's cut. That's what actually aired. So that's pretty cool. But the next time she directed, she didn't love it as much. Mm. And she talks about how they got a new showrunner and we know who that new showrunner is. Is Krista? Is it Krista? <laughs> And you know, with the new showrunner there wasn't as much creative freedom and it just felt like T V. You know, there's a formula for the for T V yeah. and there's a formula for how the show works. So she didn't yeah. quite have as much freedom, which I found well I, I found quite quite interesting. That is interesting. I mean I yeah. guess nothing's wrong
1: because Krista
0: still is the showrunner so it's, it's
1: not yeah. like Ellen is telling on anything.
0: I think it was more of a conversation of how television directing happens and she t- you know when it's on a yeah. network program yeah. and she's, she compared it to if it was on a streaming service where there's a lot more creative freedom and it's right. just understanding the difference mm-hmm. not so much about Krista. Krista I guess sticks with the formula of what the TV and then television and network really require and, and that's I guess it's fine it is what it is is they also talk about when Denzel directed the episode remember the one Mm -hmm. you you loved you spoke about very first episode was your favorite guest appearance so to speak was Denzel directing she says she loved it but there was this disagreement that her and Denzel had Um, oh really yeah they got into it a bit about he was obviously directing but then she took a moment of like creative direction for one of the co-stars at the time Mm. and he like said to her hey don't do that. But I'm, I'm the director on this. And she said, what do you mean? Like, this is my show. Um, yeah. You just came here yesterday, like sort of thing. Um, but they, you know, sorted it out, but I just thought it was like quite an interesting, um, to, but, you know, it was a great discussion to hear mm. from them. They've obviously grown mm. the two of them. And they talk about how as a cast, there's a lot of forgiveness that they've had for each other. They've all grown together, which I'm really happy about just for the whole, Whole cast in general they've been able to sort of put behind them a lot of the stuff which i guess is in this book now so mm. I, I was really happy to hear about all of that
1: oh yeah i mean nothing bad coming out of there
0: you know no no not at all okay so this next segment we'll talk a bit about the r kelly case and then britney comes yes. over to ship. um Firstly, R. Kelly, it's come out. He's been convicted in New York State Mm -hmm. on multiple crimes, uh, racketeering. And there's still
1: pending cases, right? So he's going to to jail, jail, jail. That's the thing. Because, uh, you know, the worry was there'll be one case they'll find a way to fernangle their way out of hell yeah. because a lot of these things had statutes of limitations issues. But even if he still has to face a bunch He's of He's going to have people, to face
0: pretty much like Harvey Weinstein who's got the one case in I think New York and another case in California and mm. they, who when your reach is that wide it's going to come back. Look, I think it was a huge sigh of relief for a lot of just in general women but also yeah. definitely for his victims who are Men, male and female. I was actually listening to uh, just a snippet of another podcast. And it actually, I I related and they spoke about like, there was clearly a collective cultural blindside when it came to Mm. R. Kelly for years. Mm -hmm. And I must admit myself, I I definitely was in that way for years, even after he'd married Aliyah and the whole thing came out, we were still listening to Step in the Name of Love, Trapped in the Closet. And a whole bunch of his music and there was a cultural blindside where a lot of us were just blind spot where we just, there was a cognitive dissonance that just didn't quite (laughs) match I
1: mean, mean, it's because it's only recently, at least in my estimation, that the product or the art that is produced is super wrapped up with the artist as well. Not to say that it hasn't always been sort of celebrity Mm. culture and worship, but I never... Thought about other than the artists you relate to, you know, you sort of like with the Spice Girls, you're like, I want to know everything about all of them or something. Yes, but yes. R. Yes. Kelly was just not somebody, and I'm sure it was for other people whom I consumed as an individual past the end product that he provided. So mm. I never Googled. I never knew what his, you know what I mean? What was going on with him? True. So I think that's, I mean, a lot of people are just straight up listening to music and not really wondering what this person is doing in their spare time.
0: True, but a lot of a lot of people knew that he had married Aaliyah oh, when she was 15. underage. Yeah. Especially because it, it came up after her death. You know, it was one of those oh. things that was talked about that oh she's someone who is married to R. Kelly and she was underage at the time. Oh um, gosh,
1: yeah. Because she that is she died true.
0: wasn't she twenty one? when she at was the, it was very very young so I just if if for nothing else I just feel like it's justice for all of these women who were underage and could mm-hmm. not have consented I mean may have said yes but really because of age could not have consented and and I'm just I'm really glad for them it's it's validation and vindication on one level and on yeah. the other level of course there's no there's not there's no time that yeah. would make it there's right nothing,
1: you, know? you know there's and there's nothing there's no because that's the thing it's validation on one on a level but it is almost it's one of those things that's deeply anticlimactic yeah. I imagine if you are an actual victim of this person and here's yeah. the thing too is here we are and what we're talking about is this sort of moment that is in the zeitgeist where we found out about him and now he's been convicted and we mustn't forget that it was black women's activism yeah it was those fighting on behalf of these victims primarily the demographic the victimized group of this land right yes. are the ones who got us to this point and this point is a victory of a kind but it's not what's gonna happen and it already happened which is quite infuriating is that the state that has convicted the lawyers that were part of this it's kind of they're going to use this as propaganda to prop themselves up the justice system doesn't work well at all particularly yeah. when it comes to crime against women violence against women yes. is not appropriately addressed by state institutions of so-called justice we yeah. just know this so this is the other th- let's not lose sight of the fact that this is just it's not a real victory <laughs> you know what i no, mean absolutely it's not, absolutely. Um, and let's also not erase the people who actually did the work to get it there and just absolutely. be wary because for instance bbc the post on their instagram that announced his conviction one of the slides in it is gloria allred you know no, the woman's rights uh lawyer yes. and they quote her in large letters saying of all the predators that are pursued mr kelly is the worst a dangerous <laughs> sexual predator and the racial undertones of that to me are very stark
0: because he's not the worst he, well he's no, equal also, it's to not exactly, jeffrey Epstein. he's it's equal not to about, Harvey weinstein do
1: not compare abusers the yeah. issue is the abuse and the people who should be centered are the victims you know what i'm saying absolutely and also gloria were you not involved in a case with a Catholic church? Now, again, I... I'm not making actual comparisons, but seriously, do you know what I'm saying?
0: There is no <laughs> worst.
1: There is no worst. <laughs> they,
0: no- they're all the worst.
1: They're all the worst. It's the same thing you say, you know, on the other side of it, like abuse is terrible. Oppression is terrible. Like this thing is terrible. And... There is a tendency when you get like somebody's going to jail to feel as though you've accomplished something right yes. when the actual numbers as they bear out today, you know, even as things were coming up um, in the past week with about how missing and murdered indigenous women missing children of color don't get as much attention. Mm-hmm. as their white counterparts. Let's not forget we're in a dire situation.
0: Absolutely. No, and no one also, well- I mean, also this case, it's incredible that it's taken as many years mm-hmm. for this conviction. And mm-hmm. the amount of victims that he that that are included in this, I mean, it's very similar to Harvey Weinstein in that it was and even Jeffrey mm-hmm. Epstein and I mean Bill Cosby, all of, it was years, decades of suffering and victims before Literally, anything i mean exactly
1: six, basically six or seven decades and 60 accusers for bill Cosby. yeah to even go yeah. to court All need to be released on a technical. we are in dire straits like nothing is we wild. are in so dire straits this is a very what is the word it's a small there's a, there's a perfect a small... word a peric yes a peric victory you know it's yeah. like yeah it's like a match you know when you light a match yeah and the fire yeah. is on and then it's dead in two seconds that is like <laughs> <Yeah>. the image <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> yeah, think yeah about
1: the entirety of like the issue we're trying to resolve which is like spe- specifically sexual violence against women so mm. yeah
0: i mean one of the things i do want to highlight and say it's great is that mm. one of the things that led to this can you know this Highlighting of the case is the documentary Surviving R- um, R. Kelly and what the media has been able to do for that case, and what they're currently doing with the Britney Spears conservatorship, mm-hmm. is incredible because it has rallied a lot of people around v- victims of abuse. Um, which you know the Britney the Britney Spears one is I don't even I don't even know where to start. Uh, it's, well, now it, there's it's so beyond,
1: many of them. So there was there's so many. The- <laughs> There was Framing Britney Spears, which came out uh, last year, right? Mm-hmm. Which sort of was the sort of uh, last year at the beginning of the year, which sort of lit the match. The Free Britney movement was already in full swing, right? On the internet yes. for those who were really connected to this and they're like, something weird's going on with this conservatorship. Why is it going on for so long? Now there's a sequel to that from the New York Times called Controlling Britney, which came out this mm-hmm. week. And also just yesterday, Britney versus Spears on Netflix. Also, two days ago, You know, there's supposed to be a hearing, I believe, yesterday or today, in which the judge is expected to make another ruling on whether the conservatorship can continue. And apparently Mm -hmm. her father already filed for dissolution of the conservatorship. So... How the hearing is going to go, what's going to happen is going to be interesting. I I have no idea at this moment that we're recording, but I will agree with you and say, again, it shouldn't take this much because what is revealed in the, you know, same with the the R. Kelly documentary. I agree with you in terms of, yes, finally, we're centering the victims and hearing their stories, but it is Mm -hmm. still infuriating that it takes that much to get get the so-called justice wheels, which apparently have now um, worked, rolling and, but it's revealed that she has been trying for years.
0: Four years. To
1: get since it to basically to her. right, and you heard that as well in her testimony that really set everything aflame. Yeah, saying nobody heard me. I've been trying to talk, and nobody's listening.
0: Exactly. And firstly, watching Framing Britney, I don't know that I had the perspective that I got specifically in controlling Britney. In that, mm-hmm. I mean, the first one was more the way the media portrays Britney or had portrayed Britney over the years, and how it led to to what we could see now in yeah. the conservative. And then, but what controlling Britney did was then highlight specifically what was happening in the conservatorship over the the years. Mm -hmm. And, and then of course the Britney versus Spears talks a lot about her trying to get out. Mm -hmm. I just cannot believe that she was ever in a conservatorship to begin with, Mm -hmm. because these are really arrangements that are made for mostly elderly people Mm -hmm. who cannot, cannot function they cannot order their affairs they cannot work they cannot feed themselves basic Um, needs
1: cannot be met by the individual so exactly shelter health food it's
0: easy and basically this it was just slavery she was working for Mm. these people and she was paying them, and just how broken the system had been, where her court appointed yeah. attorney wasn't you know advocating for her. the The judge on the case didn't seem to at all be trying to hear her. I mean, there's one comment yeah. where she makes where Brittany had asked for uh, testing for her father, who's an alcoholic by the way, and also mm-hmm. had gone bankrupt by the way, <laughs> on mm-hmm. his own. Um, and she says she, he should be having sporadic. Like, I'm um, getting, yeah, tested. Alcohol, test alcohol well, testing. Yeah. And the judge is like, who is she to ask for that? And I'm thinking, he's the employer. Yeah. <laughs> <She's- laughs> well, but
1: here's the thing. To me, the most nefarious um, arrangement in the whole thing was that they were uh, claiming she's board- she has borderline dementia and that she's yes. not in a position to hire counsel that blew my mind I was like oh so you've really trapped her in this because she's not allowed to get somebody to advocate for her that she chooses because you say she's not of sound mind enough to make that choice for herself yes but she's of sound mind enough to to yeah there was that lawyer in the documentary who said you know I've represented dozens of conservatives and I can tell you right now not a single one of them has had a job never mind exactly headlining a vegas tour f- a vegas show for four years straight you know i was so and happy. and doing her own
0: choreography exactly. she's writing her own songs she's, she's producing her own albums and it's, it's just
1: wow it, it's really nice to see to hear her i mean here I am. I've really never been any kind of Britney Spears fan. I think a lot of people are like, Same. I didn't know that much. I thought she was just a pop singer, but now I'm. Um, she's a little bit of a. I really support Britney. Do you know what I'm saying? Same. Especially Same. hearing her in her testimony, you just sort of really stand up for herself finally. Yes. You know, and she became. Yeah famous very very young and if from everything that I see her her father being sort of a tyrannical alcoholic you know I'm sure he has his own story about the the abuse whatever that he might have gone through the trauma he might have experienced Mm -hmm. which can't excuse the behavior and what they've been subjected to as a family people a lot of people are saying like you know there's a lawyer in the documentary who says she had a number of ways that she could have reached out and Mm -hmm. and you know she's not exactly trapped you know this is not a what did he call it like a, a Russian gulag or something. They are sort of fascist. Yeah, this is not a fascist, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, girl, what are you even talking about right now? This is an unnecessary. And it also shows you, again, it is a man speaking, right? Like, we yes. know enough about how, what happens to victims of abuse, right? We yeah. know about how battered women respond to their abuses. We know that it is not just, we, you know, we know that victims of assault don't come forward the first day, right? Yeah. It is vi- highly impactful and it causes damage to your psyche. So to get to a place where you can finally say what is being done to me is wrong. And not only that, I no longer accept it requires a lot, a lot of courage, a lot of strength. Right. And then to get to the point where she's saying it like that. Right. She's admitting it. She's able to say. Look at my rehearsals. Look at what I was doing. I was not good. I was great. I was great. You know, yeah, and she's, yeah. you know, she's seeing her own greatness in it, and she's yes. saying, "This is absolutely ridiculous." I want what I deserve, which yes. is my freedom, and and I yeah. know that for her, from the place she was at, remember, she was being threatened by taking away her children. Which every is
0: single time, just
1: it's a level of awful that I can't even begin to imagine. So and manipulation, to, yeah, exactly. So to see that she's come from a place of where she's almost totally victimized, they've taken complete control of her life to this moment where e- she's still in it, right? But she's brought herself to be able to say, no, open it up. Tell everybody, I don't want this. Enough bad. is this enough. This is yeah. how these people are. And I am done. I'm I'm just like, get, be free, be free. Brittany. Get, you don't get free. her free. Same. And <laughs> yeah. I just have
0: to say, I agree 100% with her. All of them should be jailed. They should be imprisoned, and they need to pay her money back. Every um, last one. There was
1: a line at the end, uh, the lawyer's statement. Because apparently, can you imagine? Jamie Spears' team had the gall to ask still, for legal fees. You know, they and her lawyer—they still saying, "Give us money, pay for what we're doing." And her lawyer said, "The old days are gone, buddy. Britney will not be extorted. Not on my yes. watch." I'm like, "Yes to the smash."
0: <laughs> get a job.
1: <laughs> yeah, get a job. So you know that's uh, some yeah. bright news, and um, it is
0: some bright news. Um, yeah. And yeah, let's fingers crossed for whatever the outcome of the hearing is. That maybe it will be out by the time this comes out. So yeah, yeah. Um, and just other bright news, we've got the Fujis reuniting for the first time for yes. since like forever um, to celebrate twenty years of um, since the score, I, one of the best hip-hop albums i think ever recorded i oh mm. i'm so excited i mean I obviously i'm not going to be watching the tour because i mean south, south africa, africa they're not they're not coming they're not coming yeah <laughs> well,
1: you know what i'll do yeah i'll call you from the show and i'll be like Ooh, la, la, Ooh, la 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 <laughs> i knew you were gonna <laughs>
0: I told you. That is, I'm very excited, and then just like some other just stuff that's happening. I don't know, Benifer, <laughs> Benifer's <laughs> back. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about, like, reuniting, and it feels yeah. so good. Benifer's reuniting, and yeah. apparently it mean, feels so good. I kind
1: of threw him under the bus. You know, I don't really trust Ben Affleck like that, but I do, they seem to me to be the exact right kind of chaos for each other. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, it's, um, I was reading on the internet, apparently, you know, they're both Leos, which is something, both fire signs,
0: you know? hmm <laughs> any of that but it seems correct you know i think so i think look they've grown they've spent they've had kids they've gotten other marriages they've maybe they've maybe this is their time you know i'm hopeful crossing fingers jenny and benny from the black
1: not jenny and benny girl (laughs) (laughs) well that's great news yeah do
0: you have Um, any uh, other miscellaneous delight i mean i don't know how i no not delight let me oh. let me say this is neutral angelina jolie and the weekend possibly dating and who the weekend the weekend oh the no. weekend this
1: is, she, <laughs> she has some kind of deep affiliation with ethiopia i guess you know maybe maybe nah, she likes the habisha people like let her live i guess i mean
0: i guess
1: I also kind of feel as though Angelina is quite ethereal. I'm not sure she's one of us. She yeah. always seemed like to exist on a different plane. So I guess more power to True. them. I don't know. More we'll power to, how, to them. We'll have to see how it publicly unfolds.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then in my sad news, Miguel, my you know my love Miguel, and love Miguel. his wife Nazanin, I think. Yeah. Um, they've split, <laughs> and I I'm devastated for them. Look, who knows what it, it's about, but you know, when you've been together for so long, it's it's similar to the Robin Thicke thing where they were dating forever and yeah. then got married and then divorced, you know, it's, it's, ugh, it's I a mean, hard one. I'm
1: looking at Miguel's only 35 years old and if he's been with Nazanin for 17 years, that means it's from when they were teens. Teenagers, yeah. a lot of life happens in... Like, this makes perfect sense to me. It's sad, but also not sad. I honestly... We haven't... You know, celebrities will always say everything's fine. So maybe something uh, terrible happened that ruptured their union. But at the same time, they could have just grown... B- the, you a need lot. to go on different journeys at some point. I can't imagine that you're the same person at 17 as at 35. And... Sometimes yeah. it works out; you grow together perfectly. But this is this is perfectly natural as well to sort of be like, I think we gotta go,
0: you know, yeah. be
1: ourselves for a bit. We've been together for a very long
0: time. I guess. Look, I, I mean, wish I them know. both yeah. the best of luck. I I like them both, so mm. good luck. And I think the that's it. You know, that's Woo! we've we've gone through a lot of pop culture stuff. Yeah, and, pop culture uh, interlude. it's happening around the world and let's close with a quote from meredith gray some days the whole world seems upside down and then somehow and probably when you least expect it the world gets it right again beautiful thanks porsche Thank
1: you, Nomsa. We'll see you uh, all next week. We'll be talking about friendship and maybe just dabble a little bit into what it appears the new season of Greys is trying to give us.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.
1: If you listen to the show and you like it and you love it and you want to support it and help other people find us, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if you listen on Spotify or anywhere else, please hop over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at assumeitwillbebrilliantpod.
1: And if you have any questions, queries, or comments, please email us at assumeitwillbebrilliant at gmail.com.
0: And remember, step out into the unknown assuming it will be brilliant.